Exodus chapter 12. And it, we're going to start at verse 1. good to be in church last night what a great time we had and I'm just waiting on my sleeping schedule to readjust goodness what a great time we had celebrating all that God has done all that God wants to do. Thankful that our new prayer log has already got entries in it. And, uh, I don't remember when I put the prayer this new prayer log out. I thought it was still in my office, and so I sent Zeke in to get it earlier, and he texted me and he said, Dad, uh, it's already out. So, Apparently, in my sleep-deprived condition last night, I put it out. So, if it, if it wasn't, if that's not what happened, you went in my office and got it? You should text me before you just go in my office and get stuff then. Okay, I'm not crazy. And he was wrong. So, if you prayed before it was put out, please log your hours or minutes. And uh, 2022, we prayed 1,913 hours at the church. I'm looking forward to what God is going to do in 2023. Tonight, we are not just going through motions. I hope you understand that. Truly, I hope you understand that. And if you don't understand it, I hope you get the revelation. But we are not just going through motions uh, as we start this new year with communion tonight. Uh, communion is not salvific, meaning that the partaking of communion uh doesn't mean that that's another checkbox in your spiritual repertoire um, saying that you're making it to heaven. Um, it is a, well, we'll just preach about it. It's not just something that we do to pass time. It is not a sacrament that not the tradition of men so the Bible doesn't tell us that we should do it on a regular basis or once a week or once a month or what have you but it leaves it up to the leadership of the church whenever you feel the need to do it then do so and so we don't take communion on a regular basis but I feel this is the way we need to start this year so Exodus chapter 12 and verse 1 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of the Lord, or of Israel rather, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year, he shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. He shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. 
And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses, wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden it all with water, but roast with fire his head with his legs with the pertinence thereof. He shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning he shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it with haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Verse 12 says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. The plague shall not be unto you to destroy you. When I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. You shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. We're going to talk about communion tonight. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for all that you're doing. God, I magnify your name. I give you thanks. I give you glory. I give you honor. I give you praise for you alone are worthy. You alone are worthy of my praise. You alone are worthy of my worship. God, we want to remember your sacrifice tonight. We want to remember how you brought us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. How you set our feet in a sure place and how you order our steps. How you brought us up, how you brought us out, and how you have brought us into. And God, we want to give you thanks tonight as we remember. We want to give thanks tonight and rejoice in all that you have done. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Exodus chapter 12 does not seem like the most likely of places to begin a message regarding communion. You would think that we would start in Matthew 26 and then work our way around the Bible explaining why Jesus did what he did. However, we understand or we should come to the understanding that what took place in Matthew 26 with Jesus and his disciples and what we now know as the Last Supper was symbolic of what had taken place with Moses and the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 12. In Exodus chapter 12, we find that a series of plagues have been ongoing in the land of Egypt. We find that Moses and Aaron have presented themselves to Pharaoh. They have presented God's plan to Pharaoh. And we know the story well, how Pharaoh's heart is softened and he says that he will let the people of Israel go to worship. And then his heart is hardened. The Bible tells us that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And then it would be softened. Then it would be hardened. Plague after plague after plague. And now we find Moses and Aaron are preparing not Pharaoh, but they are preparing the children of Israel for the final plague of God upon the land of Egypt. And he tells them that this, in verse 2, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. Your entire world is getting ready to change as you prepare for the plan of God. This is not just an ordinary day. This is not just an ordinary occasion. 
But this is going to be the first month of the year to you. And so there are things that you ought to do. He tells them, he instructs them to go get a lamb without blemish, a male of the first year, to take it out from the sheep or from the goats, to keep it for a set amount of time away from the rest of the herd, and then to kill it in the evening on the same day throughout the land. They were to kill it on the same night. Take the blood, strike it on the doorpost. He said, I want you to paint the doorpost. I want you to put it. I want you to mark the doorposts on both sides. I want you to mark it on the, the top, on the header beam, on the lintel. I want you to mark it. And I want you to make sure that it is visible. And I want everybody to be inside the house. And inside the house, you're going to eat of the Passover lamb. You're going to eat it that night. It's going to be roasted with fire. He tells them how to cook it. He tells them how to prepare it. He gives them exact instructions. He's not leaving anything to chance. He's not telling them to look at Betty Crocker's cookbook on the best leg of lamb and, and how to do this and how to do that. No, he's giving them precise instructions. Let me tell you that God does not want you just floating round and round. And He's given us precise instructions. And those precise instructions lead us to deliverance. He said, I don't want you to be like children tossed about to and fro by every wind of doctrine. But I want you to get my word in your heart. And it's going to lead you. It is going to guide you. Precisely. He tells them, don't let anything remain in the morning. If anything remains in the morning, in other words, if there are leftovers, burn the leftovers. Don't let the kids pack them in a lunch. Don't pack them away. Don't save it for a day when, when you don't have time to run to the grocery store. So you're just going to pull leftovers out of the fridge or out of the icebox. It's not going to work that way. If there's anything left, you burn it. You consume it. It's got one purpose. And that purpose is to save you. That purpose is to protect you. I know it's not convenient. You mean to tell me I gotta butcher this lamb? I gotta, I gotta, look at how cute this little lamb is. I gotta separate that lamb from his flock. I gotta separate this lamb that's probably still nursing from his mother. Can you imagine the commotion? It's not going to be clean. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be tidy. It's not going to be comfortable. And then I gotta kill the lamb, I gotta skin the lamb, I gotta butcher the lamb, I gotta cut up the meat, I gotta roast it, I gotta prepare it a certain way with bitter herbs and so on and so forth. And I gotta do all of that in this short amount of time. Yes, that's what you have to do. But I don't wanna do that, that you're, you're not gonna make it. I don't like this plant, then you're not gonna make it. It's as simple as that. Well, I don't understand. He didn't ask them to understand. He asked them to obey. And if you will obey, understanding will come. Oh, I feel like preaching right now. I don't understand why I got to cover my doorpost with blood. I don't understand why I got to strike it across the lintel. But because I obeyed when the angel of death came through the land of Egypt. Let me just pause for effect and tell you what they heard that night. They heard the sound of grief as the angel of death walked through the land. Walked through the land of Egypt, walked through the land of Goshen, visited the homes of the Egyptians, and visited the homes of the Israelites. Anyone in that land, their home was visited. And if the blood was not applied to the doorpost, if the blood was not applied to the lintel of the door, so that everybody that entered and everyone that exited were exiting underneath the covering of the blood. Remember ages and dispensations, the plan of salvation, faith, obedience, and the shedding of blood. You've got to have faith in the plan that God gave to Moses. You've got to obey by following the plan. And the blood has got to be shed. And the blood has got to be applied. And every home that did not have the blood applied, every home that was out of order, 
lost their firstborn. My mind, as I was reading the text, went back to Mount Moriah. As Abraham is walking with his son Isaac, he's got a knife in his belt, and Isaac's carrying the wood or carrying the fire. Isaac's looking around and saying, Dad, behold, we got the wood and we've got the fire, but where is the sacrifice? Isaac is Abraham's firstborn son. Abraham is commanded to have faith. Abraham is commanded to obey. He said, Son, God will provide himself a lamb for the sacrifice. They get there and they build the altar and they lay the wood in order and Isaac's looking around saying, Daddy, I don't see a lamb. He said, son, God came to me and God commanded me to offer you well then daddy you better use the rope and you'd better bind me I want to obey but I don't want to die and with tears streaming down both of their faces, I can imagine them as Isaac lays down on the altar and on the wood. And his daddy binds him with the rope. Abraham, that's your firstborn. And Abraham raises the knife. And the angel of the Lord calls out to him. Don't hurt the lad. They hear the bleeding of sheep. They hear the rustling. And there's a lamb caught in the thicket that saves the life of the firstborn. And so in Egypt, as the angel of death passes by the homes, he's inspecting. If angels have gender, I believe they do because the Bible calls Gabriel, Gabriel and Michael, Michael. He's inspecting. Well, if there's no, there's no blood, he goes in the house. If there's blood, he passes by. The firstborn of every beast, the firstborn of every, every cow, of every sheep, all their cattle, all of their livestock, and all of their children. But if the blood has been applied, I didn't understand it, but I obeyed. And because I obeyed, I understand that life was spared. Life was given. But if there was no obedience, whether they understood or not, life was taken. He said, I'm going to pass through Egypt this night, in verse 12, and I'll smite the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I'll execute judgment. I am the Lord. You can read it in your own time. You can study it out in your own time that every one of the plagues was a direct assault against the gods of the Egyptians. A direct assault that says your God is not the real God. But the God of the Israelites is the real God. And the last one is the Egyptians nearly deified the firstborn sons. And now here comes the judgment of God. But the plague was going to touch both the Israelite and the Egyptian. And so obedience was necessary. Regardless of the level of understanding, obedience was necessary. Let me tell you tonight uh, that you've got to have faith and obedience and the shedding of blood whether you understand it or not. 
Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. It's a mystery, but if you'll obey, if you'll submit to the plan of God, if you'll submit your mind, if you'll submit your will, if you'll submit your body, if you'll submit your heart, then before long you'll be able to see and understand because you'll notice the difference and you'll see the difference and you'll feel This day shall be unto you a memorial. He said, I don't want the plague to be upon you in verse 13. The blood is going to be a token for you upon the houses. The price has been paid. The blood of the lamb has been applied. A lamb without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. This is before the Levitical law was ever put into place. There's a spotless lamb that has died here. Notice with me that the every household had to have a spotless lamb. There was a spotless lamb for every household. There was a, and if the, if, if your, if your home was too small, if your family was too small to consume it, he said, it's okay, share it with a neighbor. Let your neighbor know they could partake of the lamb as well. Let your neighbor know, hey, there's enough blood here. If the blood can be applied to your life, you can partake of the lamb as well. I come to preach to us tonight in the first night of 2023. There's enough blood from the spotless lamb for your home, for your sin, for your babies, for your family. For your spouse, for your marriage, for your past, for your present, for your future. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. The plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. When I smite the land of Egypt, and this day shall be unto you for a memorial. You'll keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You're going to keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Exodus 13 and verse 3, And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day. It wasn't just a meal. It wasn't just a poor little lamb. It wasn't just a command. It was the breaking through. It was the breaking out from sin. It was deliverance from the house of bondage. When faith and obedience and the shedding of blood is applied to our 2023 age and dispensation, it's applied in repentance. That's death to our carnal man. It's applied through baptism in the name of Jesus. That's where the blood is applied to the doorposts of our heart. It's applied as we rise in newness of life and are filled with the regenerating power of the Holy Ghost that keeps us from sin. It gives us the power to overcome sin. That's how faith, obedience, and the shedding of blood is applied to our lives today. He said, remember this day. You've been brought out of the house of bondage. You've been delivered from Egypt. For by strength of the hand of the Lord, God brought you out from this place. I've been delivered. Not by my own might, not by my own power. So stop trying to figure out how you can make it work. You cannot make it work. You cannot save yourself. You cannot deliver yourself. But God can. I got to get good in order to get God. No, you don't and you can't. I'm not good enough. You're right. You're not righteous enough on your own without Him. I could never be holy enough on my own. My righteousness was just filthy rags. 
Moses said to them, remember this day. That's why we sing songs like, all my life he has been faithful. All my life he has been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Remember this day. He led me through the fire in darkest of nights. Land was black. No light. You could hear the sound of wailing. You could hear the sound of grief. It's those who were not covered by the blood of the Lamb felt the presence. Death come in. Felt the presence. They were powerless to stop. Watch as life after life after life was taken, but it could have all been avoided had their door and their family been covered by the blood. Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of the hand of the Lord, the, brought, the Lord brought you out from this place. He said, there shall be no leavened bread eaten. This day came ye out in the month Abib. And it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, which he swear unto your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey. You're going to keep this service in this month. You're going to remember what I did for you. How I brought you out how I brought you up, how I delivered you. That's how I know tonight. I said, that's how I know tonight that God's not going to leave you where he found you. It's not speculation. It's not theorizing. It's not hypothesizing. I know that if you'll obey the word of the Lord. It's a promise. I'll bring you out of bondage into a land that flows with milk and honey. It's not scientific theory. It's absolute truth. It is the word of God. And we've seen it happen over and over and over and over again. We could pass this microphone around tonight and you could hear story after story after story of how he did it. Of how he redeemed. Of how he regenerated. Of how he pulled away the darkness. Verse 8, thou shalt show thy son in that day. There's power in sharing our testimonies. We're not living there. I said we're not living there. But we can say, look what the Lord's done. I'm not holding on to that old life. I'm not holding on to those old feelings. I'm not holding on to that old mess. I've let it go. But let me show you where he brought me from so you can see where he can take you to. This is done because of that which the Lord did unto me when I came forth out of Egypt. It shall be a sign unto thee upon your hand for memorial between thine eyes. He said, you make sure that it's in the forefront of your mind. You put it, in, you put it somewhere in your mind and in your spirit where it's always ready to be tapped into. i got to give him thanks because of where he brought me from. I'm thankful that I'm not, I'm not under the taskmaster anymore, but I don't want to, I don't want to lose, I don't want to lose the feeling of him delivering me. I don't want to lose sight of where he brought me from because I'm an overcomer by the blood of the lamb. The blood of the lamb. The blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. 
I once was a slave in the slime pit of Egypt. I've once felt the whip of the taskmaster upon my back. I was busted. I was broken. I was disgusted. And I was disgusting. I smell of the stench of Egypt's slime pit. But he brought me up. And he brought me out. And he's bringing me into... a sign the Lord's law may be in your mouth with a strong hand hath the Lord brought thee out of Egypt he didn't do it halfway some of us need that revelation that he hasn't delivered you halfway you're not half saved you're not half delivered you just gotta start living like you're delivered you just got to start living like you're not in Egypt anymore. Stop looking over your shoulder, looking for the taskmaster. No, honey, you square your shoulders and you walk in freedom. You walk in liberty because he brought you out with a strong hand. Thou shalt therefore keep this ordinance in his season from year to year. Israel had been in Egypt for 430 years. God heard their cries for deliverance. He sends Moses and Aaron into Egypt to bring his people out. He commands them to put the blood of a spotless lamb on the doorpost and on the lintel, the door header to escape the final plague of death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. God will provide himself a lamb. God will provide himself as a lamb. Blood surrounds us on both sides. It's a covering for us. But notice, he did not say, put it on the threshold. Because the blood of the lamb is never meant to be trodden under foot of men. He said, I want you living in freedom, but don't you be stomping on the blood. Don't you be going in and out uh, trying to do whatever you want to do uh, and whatever you think you're big enough to do and whatever you think you can get away with. He said, no, you let it be around you and you let it cover you because I want to bring you out. The angel of death saw the blood. He passed by that home. It was the feast of Passover as it was instituted. The feast of the Passover became a memorial that Israel was to carry out from year to year. It was the feast of the Passover. And 50 days later, the feast of Pentecost. He said, along with the Passover lamb, he said, I want you to cleanse your house from leaven. Well, what does that mean? Leaven is yeast. It causes the bread to rise. It's referred to here, the book of Exodus, as a type of sin, type of false doctrine, error. It represents the things that cause us to be puffed up that cause us to be exalted and filled with pride. And so the Israelites were instructed, don't just apply the blood to the doorpost. Don't just partake of the lamb. Don't just partake of the life that was given for you, but there's also some action that needs to be taken on your part. You need to start cleansing the house. You need to start taking action. You need to get the, get a hold of the things that are, are going to cause you to be separated from God and get rid of them. Cleanse the house. Purge all spiritual leaven from your life so you can not get tripped up in that moment, but you can move forward. If you begin to study out the Passover, you begin to study out the instructions that God gave to Moses. He said, you tell them to be dressed. Not in their pajamas. Not in their house shoes. 
Tell the ladies not to have the towel wrapped around their head because they just got out of the shower. Piddling around. The kids are in their PJs getting ready for bed. He said, you tell them to have their walking shoes on. You tell them they need to be dressed and ready to move. You tell them to be dressed and ready to walk. Dressed and ready to travel because I want them to go some places. When you decide to take part in the Passover, he said, you don't, don't take your time eating it. Well, I think I'll just chew on that for a while. Well, I think I'm just going to partake of the Passover at my own leisure. You just chew on that for a minute. He said, you tell them they don't have time to waste. But tell them to eat it in haste because they don't have time to waste. I'm a poet. And you didn't even know. Tell them they got to go some places. Tell them I want to take them out quickly. And as soon as things are ready, they've got to be ready to move. Tell them not to dilly-dally. Tell them not to take their time. There are some members in our family that would have to severely speed up their eating progress. Some of us are safe, right, Z? We're ready, buddy. Isaiah, you're skinny and no one likes you. When you decide to take part in the salvation of the Lord, he said, I'm going to move on your behalf. I'm going to do it in a mighty way. I'm going to do it in a quick way. And you got to be ready to move when I say to move. Passover wasn't going to be taken lightly. It was not to be taken lightly. The Egyptians thought these Israelites were crazy. Why in the world are they painting their doorposts with blood? What kind of sick game is this? What kind of mind games is Moses playing with them? Moses has officially lost it. What in the world is going on? He said, but you got to understand, they're not going to see it. They're not going to understand it. But if they would obey, they'd find the same covering. Passover was so important that it not only became one of the annual feasts for every succeeding generation to celebrate, but it also marked the beginning of the Hebrew calendar year. You see the death of the lamb, the application of the blood to the doorpost, the cleansing of the home, the partaking of the meal, the readiness to move started a new chapter for every participant. This was a new thing. We've never done this before. Let me tell you, when you repent of your sins, when you're baptized in Jesus' name, when you're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, that's the first day of the rest of your life. Up until that point, you've had breath in your body, but you've not had life. But now you've got life, and life more abundantly. So just draw in a deep spiritual breath and welcome to the newness of life. The Passover was the beginning of the exodus. The exit. Israel's journey away from Egypt. And so in like manner, in the New Testament, individuals who are delivered from sin are commanded to forever celebrate with thanksgiving the day in which the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God, was applied to their heart. 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 7. In preparation for the Passover, the writer of Corinthians it says, purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. The Passover was Christocentric. It pointed to Christ. And now, Everything after that, the writings of Paul, the writings of the New Testament, the entirety of the New Testament was written after the death, burial, and resurrection. And it's all pointing back to Christ. 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The portions that were written by Jews for Jews. The portions that were written by Greeks for the Gentiles. The portions that were written by Jews for a Gentile perspective. Everything pointed back to Christ. The Lamb of God. The Lamb of our Passover. And so that's why, folks, before we are baptized in His name and the blood is applied to our life, we must repent, which is the purging of leaven. What am I doing? I'm telling you, and I'm telling God, I'm not living like that anymore. I'm getting those things out of my life. I'm purging. I'm cleansing. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Matthew 26. And as they were eating, eating what? The Passover. Jesus took bread, blessed it, break it, and gave it to his disciples. He said, Take, eat. This is my body. What's he doing? This is the last Passover before the crucifixion. He's explaining in clear detail what they are getting ready 50 days after to experience. Everything pointed to this. Everything was laid out for this. Take, eat, this is my body. He took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament. It wasn't really blood. Which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. What was Jesus saying? He was saying, hey, everything that you've been doing for generations, everything that started in Exodus with your deliverance from the house of bondage is, has all been symbolism. The Passover meal is filled with symbolism. The Exodus from Egypt under Moses. The lamb was eaten to remind them of the lamb whose blood was applied to the doorposts for divine protection. He said, you're not going to have time to add leaven to the bread. we got to move quickly. We must hasten for our departure. The bitter herbs that they fixed the lamb with symbolized their four centuries of bondage. And now Jesus is providing new symbolism that the church celebrates with our communion. The bread symbolizes his body. The wine or grape juice symbolizes his blood that was shed for the redemption of our sins. In verse 28, he said, This is the blood of my new covenant, my new testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. You see, folks, the blood of Jesus accomplishes remission of sins. The same word remission is used in Acts 2.38 regarding the baptism of in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. Remission of sins is not just simply God overlooking our sins. Not just passing by and ignoring it and acting like nothing ever happened. But the remission of sins is literally a washing away, a total expunging of my sinful record. Everything that happened prior to the water of baptism is gone. Every mistake, 
Every sin, every time I fell, it's gone. Every poor decision, every act of sin, every illegal, it's gone. Totally expunged. That blood is applied to the life of the believer in baptism by immersion, being completely surrounded in the waters of baptism. We're not preaching about baptism tonight necessarily, but it's the word, the Greek word baptizo, which means to be completely immersed. So we are buried with him in baptism. The blood is applied to our life. That blood is remembered when we take communion. So we're not just going through motions. We're not just fulfilling a tradition. In fact, I'll just be honest with you, I feel like if we took communion more regularly, it would become nothing more than a sacrament and just a tradition of men. It would lose the meaning. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 16. Paul is in a heated discourse against idolatry. And he talks about communion. He said, the cup of blessing which we bless is not, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. Verse 21, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. You can't have it both ways. It's the choice of two tables. Am I going to eat with the family of God? Or am I going to continue living in sin? It's the choice. Will I obey even if I don't understand? Or will I continue to buck the system? 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now let me just pause there. This has nothing to do with communion. It just hit me and I think it's cool. Paul wasn't there at the Last Supper. You want to know the power of the blood of Jesus Christ? You want to know the power of the regenerating plan? Of salvation repentance baptism in Jesus name the infilling of the Holy Ghost then you realize brother Pinkerton that the Apostle Paul who had murdered who had persecuted killed the friends of those who were at the Last Supper has now gotten so close to them because of the change of the redemptive plan of God that they've opened up to him and told him this is what happened. I imagine he sat with them, Brother Venom, and said, please, tell me everything. And they asked him, Paul, what happened to you? He said, man, I was on the road to Damascus and I saw a bright light and I heard a voice. He said, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus who you crucified. We talked to him first, but you talked to him last. That's the power. Paul's saying, I'm never 
going to forget what he did for me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Is communion necessary for salvation? No. But as believers, we ought to desire to remember and proclaim our exodus from the world. The broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And we remember and give Him thanks for bringing us out. The unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine are symbolic of His sacrifice and His plan to save us from our sins. We look back from this time and this day at His death at Calvary with respect and with awe, with humility, with thanksgiving, and with love. We look forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We look forward to what He's going to do in our lives. We don't allow it to simply become traditional and lose its meaning. We don't take it unworthily by not showing it the proper respect that it deserves. Paul admonished the Jews that it's not just another meal. It's not a time of simple fellowship, but it's a, a time of remembering the Lamb who was slain for our salvation. We don't want to partake of communion if we haven't repented. If we're not filled with the Holy Ghost, we're baptized in Jesus' name. Because those elements allow us to partake of the exodus from Egypt, our exodus from the world. The blood's applied to our lives in baptism. When we've repented, been baptized in His name, been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, we've been delivered from the bondage of sin. And so tonight, as we stand, If you're partaking of communion, I ask that you gather here at the front. And if not, that's okay. If you feel there are things in your life that cause you to not feel ready to take communion, then we're going to start with repentance. Because I think we all could repent. We're deciding tonight. I'm putting those things behind me want to move forward in God. We're thankful that God's brought us out of bondage.